When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who are independent voters? Are independent candidates a viable option in America's political system? And what role do they play in American politics? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. In 1967, there was a convention held in Bakersfield, California. At that convention, what was then known as California's American Independent Party officially created a constitution and declaration of principles. Now, in that constitution, the party's founders stress a limited constitutional government and the rights of the states to govern their own local affairs. But most people know... Most people know what it means to be a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian. But what about the people who don't want to identify with any party? That's where independents come in. So who makes up the independents in the country and what impacts do they have on American politics? Well, here to talk me through all of this is Fox News Decision Desk Director Arnon Mishkin. Arnon, you're the guy. You've analyzed campaigns, the different types of voters. You've called elections for Fox since 2008. And I just want to say, first of all, thanks for coming on the podcast. And also, congratulations on your Harvard Fellowship. Thank you very much, Abby. Yes. Very well deserved. I'm here in Cambridge and it is exciting. <laughs> Definitely. And, and grateful to have you on today. So let's start with this, Arnon. Who are the people who make up our country's independent voters? I think one of the things that has triggered the sort of growth of, in, of independent minded voters or voters who claim to be independents has been the decline of the power of parties. Um, and that that has caused in, and, and but also the increase in the polarization of parties. So, um, uh, you know, back in the 40s, when Gallup first polled this, less than 20 percent of Americans claimed to be independent. Um, Most most 80 percent of Americans or more um, identified themselves as belonging to either the Democratic or Republican parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, it's gotten to the point where over 40 percent of Americans if you ask them what party they belong to, it would say, I'm independent. I'm neither a Republican nor a Democrat. Um, now, a lot of those people lean one way or the other. So you have, you have two dynamics in play. One is that there is this social construct that it's not good to be partisan. Um, you're, you're better off thinking about each candidate individually and voting that way. And, and that's one of the reasons why more and more people claim to be independent. The second thing is a sort of real thing, which is that both parties, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, have become closely identified with a set of of policy positions. Um, Historically, the the Republicans tend to be um, more concerned about certain social issues. The Democrats are more concerned about certain issues of social equality or trying to increase um, social equality. Republicans are identified as sort of very much for lower taxes, Democrat, and they paint Democrats as being interested in high taxes, even though the Democrats claim they're not. But 
Um, and so what you have is this increased polarization of America. And with that polarization, you have a lot of people who say 80% identify or think of them, agree with the Republican positions, but they don't want to say they're Republicans because that would suggest that they're sort of down the line supportive of, of what the Republicans stand for. Mm-hmm. And similarly, people who may majority agree with what Democrats stand for sort of don't want to say that. And so they identify themselves as independents. Interesting. So it's the increased polarization and the sort of the social desirability to call yourself an independent mind voter. Where do independents tend to stand on certain issues? You, you kind of went over it a little bit, but in terms of principles, what, what do they go in to the ballot box usually looking for? That's a really good question, because um, a large number of independent voters actually lean either Republican or lean Democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you ask the people the first question, are you Democrat, Republican, or do you consider yourself independent? You know, roughly 40 percent say I consider myself independent. But if you push them, um, you know, more than 80 percent of those people who say they're consider themselves independent lean one way or the other. And when you push them depending on the election, uh, on an election night. Um, in 2020, I think only 5% of people, when you push them, refuse to say how they lean. Um, so that there's that there's a whole set, uh, a menu of things that, that for which, um, in you know, sort of independent-minded voters tend to, to lean. Um, and in many respects, they can be um, on certain issues more extreme than some partisans on, on either side. Hmm. of an issue. And, and so, for instance, there are many so-called independent-minded voters who are to the right of Donald Trump on certain questions of immigration and to the left of AOC on certain questions of tax the rich. Wow. Um, so you have you have both those sort of extremes can be represented in an independent voter. And interestingly enough, some voters could be both sort of tax the rich and prevent any new immigrants co- from coming to the country. Um, so you have this sort of complicated system um, where these voters who take many different positions sort of pretend to or uh, identify themselves as independent, but it tends to be a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, that is really complicated. And when I think about politicians, I guess my question for you is how do they win over independence if independence can be so polarized on certain issues and can lean completely in different directions for either side how does one politician appeal to an independent you know that's a really really good question and 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 something that i'm actually doing some work on right now um to to try to figure out um i think for the republican candidates they focus, they have historically focused very much on a set of issues. Um, you know, these are sometimes uh, criticized as so-called wedge issues, but these are core issues that sort of pull, can pull up uh, an independent voter to their side. And those issues have been on question, you know, certain the social issues, um, abortion has clearly been part of this, taxation has been part of this, uh, immigration has very much been part of this. The Democrat, and so, and that is one of the reasons I think the Republicans have been successful because they've managed to peel off of what used to be Democratic type voters or middle of the road voters, peel them off to their side through a complicated set of these very key, key issue decisions about um, a, a abortion, taxation, immigration, and the like. The Democrats in recent years, partially in response to Donald Trump and the Republican success in 2016, 
Um, and frankly, the re Republican success in 2020, they didn't win the presidency, but they won a lot of other races. Mm -hmm. The Democrats have focused so much, much more on sort of a response to Trumpism and a response to to uh, the Republican uh, set of positions. And that's how you get basically um, Joe Biden, because whatever you think of Joe Biden, he's basically a plain vanilla, you know, uh, political professional who's been in the game, was in the game for years and years and years. And what he was basically campaigning on is, I'm not like those people. I'm not going to fight the battles the way they fought the battles. I'm going to try to be sort of more bipartisan and the like. And I think that's, you know, how he appealed to many independent voters. Got it. Uh, so then looking at the broader picture, how do independent voters typically affect politics and elections? They decide them. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a word, in a sentence, absolutely. Um, I think that that um, for all we talk about how political parties have, you know, focused on getting their base out to vote, um, what has really been decisive in many elections has been those very few, and yes, they're in, they're very few in number, um, but they have been really decisive on 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 many campaigns. Um, in 2018, the reason the Democrats were able to do so well in the House in the House races was because a lot of those swing voters who live in the suburbs, suburban districts, um, in those districts, th those people were sort of offended by Trump, um, didn't like what the many of the policies he was putting in place. And so they went to the Democratic Party and they voted that way. Similarly, you know, looking back a few years when when Barack Obama was president, a lot of those voters were offended by the way the Obama people put Obamacare in place. And they swung to the Republican Party. So when you ask them how decisive are these, they, these in many respects, they continue to be the ball game, despite what people have oh. said about how um campaigns are all about polarization and all about bringing your base out. Right. You know, Arnon, we were talking right before we came on about how it's not technically an independent party. But considering that, you know, some of these independents do tend to lean one way or the other, do you ever foresee us actually having an independent party, like its own party? Because we've seen presidents run as independents or presidential hopefuls run as independents, but there's not really a, an independent party. That's a really interesting question. And I think that that may be the question we're going to see in politics in the next few years, because what you do seem to have is a Republican Party that increasingly is identified with many of the policies of Donald Trump. And it's not clear how the Democratic Party is going to be viewed. But clearly, many of the policies Joe Biden is pursuing as president appear to be very focused on sort of what what we might think of as the more liberal elements of the Democratic Party. Mm. He's trying to um, get this $3.5 trillion, I don't know what you call it, the budget reconciliation bill, or the soft right. infrastructure bill, $3.5 trillion. Um, and he may be successful in getting at least the bulk of that through Congress. Th this and, and what you then have, you could foresee is sort of, a Republican Party very much identified with the sort of policies of Donald Trump, a Democratic Party that's sort of more identified with the policies of AOC than than sort of the moderate uh, voter that Joe Biden tries to appeal to. And then you may have an opening for sort of a party in the center. Um, we've seen sometimes in the past where 
center independent parties um, have been able to get real traction. Um, Ross Perot in uh, 1992 mm-hmm. was able to get almost a third of the vote or, you know, a, a good, he didn't win any states, but he did pretty well. Um, John Anderson was able to get 10% of the vote back in 1980. Um, so you do sometimes see a, a, a place where there is a something in the middle or a, someone who is able to appeal to the middle. And it's possible, depending on the outcome of the next few years of um, Joe Biden's policies, that you're going to see uh, the potential for a rejection of the Republican part policies of Donald Trump, a rejection of potentially of what um, Joe Biden is trying to do. And you may see an opportunity in the middle. On the other hand, you may see another opportunity, which is that either one of those parties, the Republicans or the Democrats, figure out a way to sell their position to a larger group of people. And you see the possibility of one of those parties becoming uh, truly a majority party. That is interesting to think about the fact that we have these two political parties. We have more than two political political parties, but, you know, two major political parties. And you think about how polarized politics have co- become just even the last four, eight years. And the fact that we don't have uh, an independent party, per se, um, it is actually interesting to think about. And I'm glad that you brought up Ross Perot, um, because I was wondering, how did he shake up? American politics in the 1990s as the independent uh, candidate. Can you just take me through that, how independents can make a difference in a presidential election as um, a candidate? Um, I think what he was able to do was he was he was able to address many of the concerns many voters, including Republican voters, had with some of the policies of the Reagan and first Bush administrations, which were that the deficit had gone up um, significantly um, and that there was a lot of anger on the Republican side at the fact that George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, pushed through a tax increase mm-hmm. um, to try to reduce that deficit. There was a huge um, concerns about that. And so what um, Perot was able to do was be sort of a a sort of a safe harbor for re- Republicans or Republican leaning voters who were a little concerned about some of the stuff that had happened. Um, and he was also a, a sort of uh, he was also the beginnings of many of the um, policies that, that Donald Trump went, rode to the White House concerns about globalization, the impact of uh, of globalization on the American worker and the like. Um, and so he was able to put that together. And, and yes, he wasn't able to win, um, but he certainly was able to show that there was a a place for the American American politician who is going to campaign very much on globalization is bad, immigration to a certain extent is bad, and we need to do something about the deficits. And if you think back to what um, the way Donald Trump won the White House, it was very much taking a playbook from Ross Perot and putting that together with the Republican Party apparatus by getting the nomination. All right, we've got to step aside real quickly, but class will be back in session right after this. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Is there a certain demographic that we typically see among independents? What, in, nowadays, when you look at the polling, it does seem that, that um, the independent position or the independent response is more has more appeal with the younger voters. Now, whether that's because younger voters are 
unwilling to sort of put themselves in one of the parties or whether it's something that as they get older, they realize, you know, I'm really a Republican. I'm really a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know. Um, But right now, what you see is that um, young voters are much more likely to describe themselves as independent voters than their um, parents. Uh, And whether or not they change over time, who knows? Um, But for now, it does seem that there is a certain appeal to that positioning. So as independents, obviously, if you have an independent candidate, can, can they propose new government policies? Um, you know, they can they can probably force major parties to address politic, uh, potentially divisive problems like you were mentioning with Ross Perot emphasizing that budget deficit in 1992. Um, do you think that if we moved forward to a third party, it's necessary for our democracy to run the way it does? Or do you think it's necessary to have independents be able to um, kind of identify themselves as independence in order to make our democracy run smoothly? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, and I, I try not to opine of my political positions, if possible. Um, what you do see in America today is two very polarized parties. Mm-hmm. Um, the Democrats who tend to be more liberal, Republicans who tend to be more conservative, Democrats who tend to be more diverse, Republicans who tend to be sort of sort of in more rural um, and and it, it has been very hard for those two parties to find a middle ground. Um, you know, there's been some exceptions. Biden was able to achieve what he's able to achieve in the hard infrastructure, which has some bipartisan, clear bipartisan support. But you do have these sort of two poles of America. And I think that from the perspective of trying to get something done that the vast bulk of America wants to have happen, um, then having a group that is willing to sort of move between one or the other becomes essential um, because you're not going to have the sort of um, far right of the Republican or far left of the Democrats trying to find common ground. But if you find people in the middle who are sort of willing to move one way or the other, that is the essence of sort of making change happen in a way that can satisfy the vast bulk of America. So from the perspective of good government and the like, I think Having people who are clearly in the middle, who are clearly willing to embrace certain policies of the Republicans or certain policies of the Democrats become real becomes really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as we talk more and more, I, a question did pop up in my head, considering that independents tend to lean one way or another. Of course, there's a group in there that that just truly doesn't lean one way or the other. How does that differ than a moderate Republican or a moderate Democrat? I'm pausing here because because it's a really, really important question. And I think there is a slight difference. Uh, I think that a someone who describes themselves as a moderate Republican or a moderate Democrat basically is is has explicitly endorsed the policies of that overall party and are willing to sort of either look the other way on some of the more extreme policies that both parties have um, or but they're, they're basically bought into that. Um, someone who clearly identifies as an independent, even if they lean one way or the other, they haven't yet been totally sold on that party. And that that is an, oppor- an opportunity for America because they could embrace the best of, of either party. It's also a, an opportunity potentially for that party to sort of convince that voter that that party has the best the best position or the best positions in general and convert someone who's sort of a potentially swing voter into someone who's a much more consistent voter for that party. Mm. 
That's interesting. So you're looking at in terms of choosing a political party. If you are an independent, you're not completely gung ho about one political party party, like Democrat or Republican. You might pull things from both and you might be moderate, lean more as like a moderate Republican or a a moderate Democrat, but you still kind of look at policies of both and see both sides. And I think you see that today in in the way both parties are positioning themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, The bet Joe Biden is making on the electorate, I think right now, is that he can pull some of those sort of um, Republican leaning independents uh, to his side by focusing sort of on or allowing the Republicans to focus very much on sort of a very close embrace of the Trumpist position, um, which I think, you know, may be an opportunity for the Democrats. The opportunity for the Republicans or the bet they're making in response is the mirror image of that and the belief that Joe Biden is going to go too far on some of the spending policies that he's pursuing um, in a way that won't work or that will cause inflation or that will cause real concerns amongst the voters that he's doing too much, um, too fast. And then they can then steal some of the voters back um, who voted for him in the last election. Do you think, Arnon, um, and maybe you don't have an answer for this, but do you think that we've seen more independence having both uh, President, former President Trump and President Biden kind of at the forefront of American politics in the last few years? Do you think we've seen more independence since both presidents have been a bit more polarizing? The, the answer to the question is um, we've seen more independence and less independence. Um, I think that, you know, the genius of Donald Trump politically was that he and all politicians try to force voters to make a choice. Are you with me? Or are you with them? And that the genius of Donald Trump is he did it better than anybody. Um, there was, you know, very little middle ground with, when Donald Trump was running. You were either for Donald Trump or you weren't for Donald Trump. And 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 that was the genius. I think it's why he won in 2016. It's why even though he didn't win in 2016, a lot of people who realized they were kind of for many of the positions and they voted Republican. And that's why the Republicans, you know, at the Senate and House level did so much better in 2020 than we thought they would. And then the polls thought they would. So the genius of him was that he forced people to make the choice. The, and, that, and as a result, the sort of the number of people who were truly independent went down to the point where in our poll in 2020, um, we had only about 5% of people who are really independent. The harder part of that, and the, the flip side of that is, well, when you when Donald Trump is in the rearview mirror and you're seeing about that, a lot of the people who sort of in the end chose to go with him um, may have, you know, even though they may have had some concerns about various elements of that, a lot of that stickiness to the Republican side may may have gone away. A lot of the stickiness to the Democratic side, people who were totally offended by Donald Trump and voted for Biden also went away. So I think with Donald Trump in the rearview mirror, to a certain extent, you may see an increase in the number of independents um, or independent minded voters Mm. uh, coming back. In the past, um, you know, taking these last couple presidents out of the picture, boiling it down simply, why do you think we haven't seen more independent presidents win? Because... In order to win an election, you need to do two things. You need to get your faithful out and you need to convince a certain number in the middle to vote for you. Um, This was, you know, Richard Nixon's famous prescription. You move far to the right to get the nomination and as fast as you can to the center to win the general election. Mm. 
And the challenge for an independent is, is yes, you can have a greater appeal to the middle, but what have you done to the faithful? And the faithful is still either right or left in America. And so that's the challenge uh, for anyone who's sort of wanting to mount a sort of independent campaign uh, to make. And that's why sort of center parties, you know, they always in any country, not just in America, we've seen this in, and we've seen this in many democracies around the world. Those independent or center parties tend to sort of look pretty good, get a lot of attention from media um, and a lot of sort of intellectuals support them. But in the end, they don't have the faithful. And that that's is that's one of the two essential ingredients to an election. So you're saying that there's more faithful to either party that exist in our country rather than people who are, you know, like. Yeah. Can, can I mean, it's up. still two third, you know, somewhere, but, you know, 70 percent of America or sometimes even even higher, really. 80 percent of America is faithful to either the Democrats or Republicans. Hmm, got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I guess I'll end with this, Arnon. Um, what do you think for people who are listening that maybe they're a Democrat, maybe they're a Republican, maybe they're an independent? What do you think is the most important thing for people to know about independence? Well, I, I think that the, mo- the most important thing is that I think American politics does better if Um, The more voters who think very carefully about each candidate, um, the more voters who are willing to say, you know, I support this person, but I don't like A, B and C about them or about their policies. And so I think the most important thing for folks to know about independence is that they tend to be people like that and to sort of and I, I would argue that the more people think that way when they are judging politicians the better off the country is. I love um, that. Because, uh, and so I think that from that perspective, even though it may not be a useful, there may not be a, a successful presidential campaign who focuses primarily on being an independent, but the more the voters think that way, the more likely it is that you have a set of political leaders who are, tr- are working at the behest of the vast majority of Americans. I love that you say that because I think so often people are influenced in elections based off of, you know, so many different factors. But the fact if you sit down, you really go through everything and you really analyze the pros and cons of each candidate. That's that's a good thing, because then you know what you're getting and what you're not getting with each candidate. Um, Arnon Mishkin, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on, Arnon. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about independent voters. Number one, the important thing to remember about independence is they're not technically an organized party. They don't identify with any party, and that gives them the fluidity of voting in either direction or for an independent candidate. But that being said, there is a large portion of independents who do lean either Republican or Democrat. Number two. While independent voters and candidates don't identify with either party, that doesn't mean that they're moderate on all issues. They can be more to the right on certain policies than, let's say, a President Donald Trump. But they can also be more far left on issues than, let's say, an AOC. And number three. In terms of demographics of independence, Arden pointed out that you have a lot of young voters identifying as an independent because they are more likely to not want to lock themselves into a political party. 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on independence. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.